1: Time to get to scoop on some old football history with Tim Brown of Footballarchaeology.com, as Tim is going to talk to us about some some of the field attributes that we take for granted today, but they were big innovations at the time. Tim's up next with this history. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore, Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. This is time for another great football archaeological dig with our friend Timothy Brown of Football Archaeology. Tim Brown, welcome back to the Pigpen.
2: Hey, thank you, Darren. Looking forward to chatting again. Football season is underway, so at least college
1: yeah co- college so far And we were when we are recording this it's the, the day after labor day and we had some really great uh, college football over the weekend that, that i really enjoyed probably about uh, just about every game that i watched
2: yeah uh, likewise i saw three or four or five that i thought were a lot of fun yeah so. spe-
1: especially that uh, lsu fsu uh, finish but well, yeah. i don't know if i can remember one being like that the- So such excitement. I didn't have anything vested in either team, but it was, it was thrilling nonetheless.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy finish.
1: How how that guy got out of bounds at the two yard line with one second left. I don't know, but that was, that was an amazing (laughs) play just all in itself. So many great things in that, that uh, last two minutes. That's for sure. Yeah today we're going to, we want to talk about uh, one of your recent tidbits uh, that you have and that, that and tim puts out these tidbits every every evening on some form of football which are really nice little reads to do and they spark some interest and some thought and uh, that's why we enjoy doing this every tuesday and you had one back in on july 30th called loudspeakers and lights in your tidbit section and i'd like to see if maybe we could chat about that a little bit
2: yeah. So, uh, you know, again, this is one that, you know, some, some of these tidbits, I think, you know, we, it's easy to talk about without the pictures. This one probably would help, you know, for, for somebody to, to see the images, but, but you know, it's not that difficult to, to explain, but, you know, I, I think the, the, key, the key thing about that one was it was just trying to point out that, that the, the in-game experience of the in-stadium atmosphere was just a lot different back in the day, you know, and there, there's things that we just, assume, you know, they've always been there in our experience and in our parents' experience, uh, but they weren't there, you know, 100 years ago. Um, and, and then, you know, it took a little while to, to get them uh, to kind of modern standards. And so, you know, it's really about the, the loudspeaker systems and the lighting system. So just, you know, if you think about a loudspeaker system, you know, without the ability of the announcer to use a a loudspeaker they literally in some stadiums like i know penn did this but they had guys with with uh megaphones you know and they'd shout to you know they turn to the left and announce something turn to the right and announce something but obviously if it was fairly loud stadium they weren't heard and so you know without loudspeaker systems you also a lot of things that we just take for granted today couldn't there so you didn't have an announcer telling you what down distance it was or who ran the ball or what the penalty was um you didn't have music you know you didn't have pregame introductions of the players right i mean none of that ceremony occurred uh, another thing you didn't have pregame was you didn't have a national anthem you know that that really got started before games at comiskey um, in before the 19 uh 1917 yeah 1917 world series um at Comiskey happened to be the the first place where loudspeakers were put in it at a major league park so i'm not sure if the loudspeakers played a role or not but anyways that, that's when they started playing the national anthem and you know so you only had until after world war 2 you only had the national anthem played at games or before games when there was a band there you know you couldn't you know, there wasn't a way to play a recording, you know, and have it loud enough. So you had to have a band and that typically only occurred for special occasions. And then, you know, then once you had pre-recording, pre-recorded music and loudspeaker systems and they'd, they'd play, you know, the, uh, they play, then, you know, they started playing the national anthem before games, you know, baseball, basketball, football, everything, but that's a pre-world or post-World War II thing. Um, so anyway, so, then once they did have, once they started installing these loudspeakers, um, oftentimes they had to. Um, they still weren't as loud as what we know today, or and you know lower quality. So they would oftentimes they planted the loudspeaker poles like in front of the stands and then faced back at the stands. But the, as a result, that you know they'd be like on the track if it was a stadium with the track around it. And then the, um, you know, if you sat behind, you know, if you had a lower seat down near one of those poles that pole got in your way, you know, it's, you had kind of an obstructed view. Um, and the same thing with the lights, the light, the bulbs themselves just weren't as powerful and you need a lot more of the lights. So then you, uh, um, you know, same kind of thing, the lighting, the poles for the lights kind of, you know obstructed the view and it wasn't horrible it wasn't like you know having a big pillar uh, in front of your uh, seat like i've experienced at fenway and at the old tiger stadium <laughs> but you know still it's it's a uh, it's a thing we just you know don't even think about anymore um now you know the other thing i think about the lights is that you know be and you know i've written some things about this recently too but be at, for night games, the lighting was poor, so they used to use white and yellow footballs, just so the people, you know, so the players could see them. And then, in the basically in the early fifties, they started putting stripes on the balls for you know visual purposes. So you know, even things like that, you know, just just the sheer ability to see the ball. <laughs> uh was problematic back in the day and they you know they didn't pass the ball as much so it it wasn't as big an issue as it would be today but still you know it's just uh lights and sound (laughs) crazy how that uh affects the way that you perceive a game
1: yeah you, you think about the construction of the stadiums i mean they were a little bit more open air than many of our stadiums today you know we have these giant you know monolith stadiums that are you know going, you know, six, seven decks up and, you know, with roofs on them and everything. So the sound can stay into those and it's more, uh, you know, cement now and plastic where the sound can bounce around. I mean, think about back then they had, you know, probably wooden bleachers and you know a lot of earthen type uh, structures around, around you know, so it, it dampened the sound a little bit too. It must have made it harder to hear even when they had the, the amplified speakers on yeah. the poles. And,
2: you know, a lot of major college stadiums, um, we're not bowls, you know. They, they'd have a big set of stands on the home side, and then a lesser set of stands on the on the on the away side, and then both ends would be open. You know, I mean that was very very common. Um, so, and even like today, you know, Michigan as big a stadium as that is, it's not that loud. It's just you know, it's just metal, and the, the sound dissipates. You know. So, yeah, it, it's a, as we built up and had multiple levels and, and have multiple levels in the stadium, it, it changes the, the sound quality.
1: Well, well very interesting. Once again, uh, Tim, what, what if, why don't you go ahead and give us uh so listeners can get a hold of where your tidbits come out uh, so they can get some, can subscribe or, or find them. And uh, also your social media, where you post them.
2: Yeah. So I, I really just put, I'm putting them just in two places. Now it's uh Uh, footballarchaeology.com so you just search for that on google and you should be able to find that without any problem and then you know basically if you subscribe to football archaeology you will every time i post you will get an email so it's a you know it's on subject so it's effectively a newsletter you know sort of situation Uh, alternatively just uh, you know follow me on on twitter and again you can look for football archaeology and you know there's Two football archaeologies. I'm the one in the States. The other one's over in, in the UK. So just find me
1: the one that My doesn't little... have the soccer ball on it. Right.
2: That's right. <laughs> My, mine's got a, an old helmet inside of a green, greenish kind of uh, circle.
1: And, and folks, if you're driving or aren't near a pencil or something, write this down. We have it in the show notes of this very podcast. You can follow it there. We're on our posts that we have on Pigskin Dispatch as well. Get you right to Tim's site and uh, get you getting those tidbits right away. Tim Brown, thank you once again for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Very good. We'll see you then. Thanks. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear.
0: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode